Welcome to the Economic Development Matters podcast. I'm Brianna Morris, and together with my co-host Sherry Baslama, we talk about matters related to economic development and why it matters. Sherry and I work together at Edmonton Global, where we focus on attracting investment into the Edmonton region and helping our local companies expand internationally. On this podcast, we discuss how we can compete globally and build a sustainable and prosperous economy to enhance the lives of the people in our communities. Today, we have two guests from the Edmonton Metro Urban Development Institute, Kaylin Anderson, their executive director, and Susan Keating, their board chair. Susan is also the vice president of community development at Melcor. Today, we're going to talk about urban planning and the Edmonton metropolitan region. Kaylin and Susan, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Well, maybe we'll start with you, Kaylin. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So I'm currently the executive director of the Urban Development Institute and have been for about 18 months. So I'm fairly new in the role. Uh, But my professional background comes from urban planning. So that's where I spent the bulk of my career uh, in the public service, uh, working on different planning issues, whether it was long range kind of thought uh, about Edmonton's future growth patterns or kind of shorter term initiatives like getting land use approvals through city council. So uh, that's kind of where I came up and then did a very short stint through COVID um, at the National Capital Commission before I joined UDI. Okay, that's great. And what about you, Susan? Can you share a bit about your background? Sure. Thank you. Thanks again also for having me. So um, my name is Susan Keating, and I'm currently the board chair um, at UDI working with Kaylin. Um, and in addition to my work at UDI, I work full-time at Melcor, heading up the community development division for our projects in the Edmonton region, as well as I look after our projects in um, Regina and Kelowna. Um, my background is engineering, and I went to the U of A here in Edmonton. Nice. And what about UDI? Can you give us an idea of um, what the Urban Development Institute is? Sure. Um, So yes, UDI stands for Urban Development Institute. Um, Kaylin might want to kind of add to this, but I'll maybe just get it started. So um, we're the the Urban Development Institute Edmonton Metro, I guess, chapter. Um, And it's a nonprofit organization. It's member kind of driven. um, And it represents leaders in the land development industry in all communities throughout the Edmonton metro metro region. Yeah, we have about 170 member companies at this time, and the diversity kind of spans um, planners, architects, engineers, finance uh, folks, uh, brokers, marketers, anybody who's actively engaged in real estate development in our region to ensure that we are able to build the places and spaces that uh, people want to invest in, live in, work in, play in. So what does that look like? Do you have like annual conferences? Do you have committees? Like how do you bring all those people together and kind of seek change or or what is it you're seeking, I guess? (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, we're in a pretty uh, fast growing and robust um, uh, metro region. So there are, we represent all 13 communities uh, in the, in this area. And so our Membership is kind of divided, not divided, I would say, but uh, engaged in different areas. Uh, One of them would be um, policy at the municipal level, whether that's, you know, what's going on at, you know, city council in Stony Plain 
or what's the latest and greatest coming out of executive committee in Edmonton. So we work on following the ball there and ensuring that our, um, our input is heard and is ideally influencing positive outcomes for economic development. Um, but we also do a lot of uh, uh, engagement activities with our members and in fact with the public. So we have luncheon series, field trips. Uh, we try to do a lot of publication, do some uh, more research, and we partner with other organizations. So we're really trying to um, kind of engage the conversation on a few different levels, some more formal, some more informal. And then there's sort of another dimension about our membership, which is that, you know, it's a small community here and we all have to work together to build uh, the Edmonton region. So there's a good networking and social aspect to it where we do things like golfing and curling and um, just connecting on a variety of different uh, um, levels. Can you speak to some of the projects that you've been involved in recently? Sure. What, like, what do you mean by projects? Are you talking well, about? Well, I like- guess, yeah. What What are some of the things that you're paying attention to that you, you mentioned things coming out of executive council? Like, what are the things that you're oh. paying attention to maybe is a better way of asking it? Yeah. Well, regionally, a couple of key themes, I would say. Um, a few years ago, the Municipal Government Act was updated and it required that every community update its municipal development plan, which is its long range plan. So a lot of those plans were prepared over the last three or four years. Some are still kind of um, churning their way through. But what that does is after those plans have been prepared for how we will grow, um, typically almost every community has to update its land use bylaw. So we're really going through a bit of a frenzy here where there's a ton of bylaw updates. Um, so in Edmonton, for example, they're calling it a, the zoning bylaw renewal. And in many other communities, it's called land use bylaw updates. But in any event, it's really about the, the rules of the game that regulate planning and development across all of these different communities are happening right now. So land use, land use policy is very important. Can you kind of explain for listeners like what it is? Because even though it's like so important to our daily lives, I suspect some people don't really understand what that means. So land use policy. Um, so yeah, as I was saying, kind of one of the major things that's going on right now is that many communities are updating their, their land use bylaws. Um, in Edmonton, it's called zoning bylaw. And just in a nutshell, every single piece of land has development rights, which means you can build some things and you can't build other things. So whether you're on a farm or, you know, downtown in a high rise, that piece of property has land use uh, rights affiliated with it. And so what these communities are doing right now is going through the process of updating their bylaws so that they allow the kind of growth to happen that they say they want to see. So there's a little bit of a disconnect. Sometimes you have a big vision for how you want to grow, but your actual kind of the rules of the checkerboard aren't aren't updated. So that's one thing that's going on that's pretty important. And another one that I would say that we've got our eye on um, is uh, offsite levies, all different kinds of development charges across the region, uh, as well as initiatives that will impact affordability, whether it's affordable housing, energy efficiency, um, you know, the amount of infrastructure that we're requir- required to put into communities. These are all the kinds of themes that we're following pretty actively. So because Edmonton Global obviously is interested in economic development and foreign investment attraction, can you speak a little bit about how land use policy affects our competitiveness and our ability to attract investment into the region. Yeah, no, great. So in a nutshell, how does kind of something as boring sounding as land use policy and public policy impact our economic competitiveness? Um, it sound, it feels dry and it sounds dry, but it's actually kind of one of the major drivers to attract growth and to enable uh, development to happen. So, you know, it's when we're, when we're thinking about why would people 
come to Edmonton to set up their homes or why would um, businesses continue to invest? They need to ensure that they have a supply of land that's available for them to build on, that they're able to get through any sort of planning process in a timely manner, that it's very cost effective and competitive. And so when communities are setting up uh, their their visions for growth for their community, ideally, I mean, they, they could... They, Ideally, they're enabling and encouraging growth to happen in their communities. So we need to remember that cities are, broadly speaking, in a very competitive game with each other, um, not just locally, but also provincially um, and nationally and internationally. So, you know, talent and investment are very mobile. And if we want to be competitive, we actually have to actively attract uh, that investment. So what I would say about land use policy is that it might not be an attractive dimension. It might not be like, oh, this is the best, you know, framework for planning and development. But I can assure you that it's, that it's a deterrent. So if you do not have um, an enabling framework for um, more growth to happen, um, different kinds of um ways of using the land to occur in the places where that's needed by the customers who want it, then you are not going to be getting uh, that investment. So it's great to have a solid system of planning and development so that everything works well. But I think more than ever, you know, it's about removing barriers and red tape because the last thing we want to do is to, um, is to put ourselves at a disadvantage because the way that we've set our system up to grow is actually not doing that. It's like, it's like disabling growth or it's constraining supply or it's creating really expensive requirements. So all of these things um, that relate to the kind of the nerdier kind of engineering and planning and financing requirements, they are impacted by, um, by our land use frameworks. And so in the Edmonton region, we have, uh, a few different levels. We have, of course, provincial legislation, which, you know, sets the tax rates and um, sets out with the powers of municipalities. Um, and those are very important that those work well. We also have an Edmonton Metro Region Board, which sets out the larger growth pattern for this whole metro area. And then each community within it will have a municipal development plan and different area plans right down to that parcel by parcel uh, zoning that I was mentioning earlier. Yeah, one of the things we often talk about for investors is that that they like speed, transparency, and predictability when it comes to regulatory frameworks. I'd imagine that's much the same with land use policy. Um, so, what's special about the Edmonton Metropolitan Region in your view? And do you have and does does UDI have chapters in like other parts of the country, or are you unique to Edmonton? Um, so, UDI has. Um, like the Edmonton chapter that we're speaking about today, but the organization kind of funnels up and Kaylin, you might want to jump in on this, but um, so there's UDI kind of on the municipal level. And then provincially um, the organization is called build Alberta. Um, and the work that we do sort of, um, I guess like translates up to build Alberta. And so we're usually working kind of in like lockstep because often what's happening at the province impacts the cities and vice versa. Um, so build Alberta is, um, is like in that hierarchy. And then that like goes up even higher to what's called CHBA national. So there's a few different acronyms in Edmonton where UDI urban development Institute build Alberta is like a combination of sort of like the UDIs and the CHBAs, the home building association that, that formed build. And then, um, and then on the national level, it's called CHBA national, but it's really like builders and land developers kind of together. 
um, okay. and international associations. So they're the ones that are sort of advocating for similar issues, but on like the national, I guess the national scale. No, thanks for that. I, I didn't know that context. So, um, cause then, yeah, I guess. And then my first part of that, you know, question is what, what's unique about the Edmonton region. And do you, I guess, do you find different issues in Edmonton to advocate for versus, you know, other parts of the province or the country? Yeah. Like, I think it's really important to have these kind of local um, organizations because there is such a, such diversity across the province and often the, the two major, um, you know, the biggest cities, Toronto and Vancouver, they, they have these kind of like demanding issues that, that do sort of demand the attention. Um, and then often, you know, things happening here in, in Edmonton or in Alberta um, may not, you know, get, get the attention that they need because they're so different from Vancouver and Toronto. Um, and so I think like what's unique about Edmonton is, is our like main advantage is that we offer like a really great quality of life here in Edmonton and in the region, we, we offer good paying jobs and affordable housing. And, um, and that's something that some of the other major cities in the country are, are like struggling with um, in a, in a different, in a different way. And so it's, it's, it's sort of the main I guess the main way we can be competitive. Um, and so this isn't really by accident. It's due to associations like ours that um, really work to protect these advantages. So it's, it's our job or we feel like it's our job to ensure that we aren't taking this for granted. And, and we know that people come to the Edmonton area for the affordability advantage. And, and that's just like step one. And once they're here, we know that maybe they stay for like the lifestyle or the vibe or the people or you know, maybe they realize the weather is not so bad. Um, but most importantly, they stay here to cheer for the Oilers. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's many, many reasons to stay in Edmonton. But to actually come here, like to take that first step to come here, the affordability piece really has to be like loud and clear. And that's and that's what makes us unique. And that's what um, we're constantly working to protect. No, thanks for that. So I'm curious because that's something we like to say at Edmonton Global a lot and point out is that our housing is more affordable than other major urban centers in Canada and around the world. And is that because of land use policy or do you have insights into like why our housing is more affordable? Are we, are we building more? Do we open up more land for new builds? Like what, what is it? Um, why is our housing more affordable? Kaylin, maybe help me with this. I mean, there's a lot of factors, I guess, like it sort of is a, um, you know, it all kind of boils down to like supply and demand, I guess. Um, we also aren't constrained geographically the same way some other areas in the country and in the world are um, by like oceans and mountains and um, like our terrain, I think is, is uh, helps us out. Um, Kaylin, what are some of the other reasons you think over time we've been able to kind of maintain this advantage? Yeah, well, I think that, our like our province, so both in Calgary and in Edmonton, we've been fast growers, big growers, uh, and we've had a very um, kind of volatile economy that follows basically the price of oil and gas. It's been our heritage. So we've been always very ready to go whenever we're in a downturn, we're planning to grow when the um, when the next boom comes. And then when the boom comes, we leverage it and take advantage. So we've we've actually benefited from a lot of very forward thinking, long term planning in this province. So for example, the the ring roads that are, you know, surrounding Edmonton and Calgary, I and mean, I know Calgary's is just not even finished, but these were started in the 70s. 
in fact, uh, Metro planning was initiated in the fifties, huge amount of effort went in, in the sixties, um, uh, you know, as, as the population grew really rapidly for the first time in a long time. Um, and the ambition of this place has just kind of outstripped, um, sometimes it's character. Like we just were, we're, we're places that have a little bit more swagger and ambition, I think, and we're just always ready to grow. So we luckily have not, we've, we've been benefited from a very young population. So our, our average age is very young. Uh, so that's a terrific advantage. Um, we have a great base of trades here who've been able to help us build, like the cities are in the business of city building, if that makes any sense. Like what we do is we you know, we create our spaces and places. Um, we've had no artificial constraints put on um, our land supply. There is that is constantly under threat and something that we're always working on. But typically we try to maintain, you know, in, in our communities, you know, ideally like a 25 year land supply so that we're never running out or creating artificial barriers. Um, and then lastly, I think that, you know, just the fact that we've had relative to the rest of the country, um, you know, pretty steady migration over time that's increasing now, um, coupled with like good investment environment from the provincial level in terms of lower taxes and, you know, incentives to grow. I think that's all helped um, these two cities become, uh, and I mean, this one in particular that we're in, but both of them really, they're kind of twins in some ways, Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, we have been able to accommodate, you know, millions of Canadians um, while keeping our price point low for housing and our economies firing on most cylinders. So I think whatever it is that we've been doing, I guess I would just wrap, wrap by saying, you know, it's not an accident of, you know, just, oh, why, why is this all happening? Um, <clears throat> nor, nor can we take it for granted. So my worst nightmare is that these two cities turn into a situation like the GTA or Metro Vancouver, where the average household needs to spend 80% of their income on rent. That to me is just actually almost like, well, it's so shocking in terms of what that's doing, especially to our young people and our new um, arrivals to Canada, that I think it's it's bordering on kind of unjust in some ways. So, you know, while I love to hear the stories of the great advances that are made in those two cities, I really like to stand up proud and tall for our province and for these two big cities and say, actually, when it comes to housing Canadians, like this is where the story is in Canada, not those other places. There's a lot of opportunity here. We've talked about residential um, housing. What about commercial properties? Is there a cost advantage here for com commercial buildings as well? Yeah, there is. When it comes to um, industrial land, we are this met, this metro area has got a great advantage over again those larger cities, of course, like GTA and 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 metro metro van, but. You know, even Calgary, Edmonton, Edmonton's got a super advantage. I'm pretty excited about even where Edmonton can go in the future as ideas are more and more fleshed out around kind of an inland port, kind of, you know, us getting getting shipment of goods from Prince Rupert straight to Edmonton and then out to Chicago or wherever, wherever it needs to go. That's pretty exciting when we when I learn more about how we're actually geopolitically positioned on this continent. Um, and then, you know, we've got a lot of things going on in the heartland, in kind of Parkland County, near the airport um, and other places. Uh, yeah. In uh, Strathcona County, there's just a ton happening. Um, but I don't know, Sue, if you want to uh, pitch in a little bit on the, uh, the non-res side of things. Um, yeah, just a little bit. Melcor, um, 
is, you know, active in the residential development um, in many municipalities in Western Canada and also in commercial industrial spaces as well. So um, I can say that, um, you know, like just sort of more locally, we, we, we do have quite a bit of success here for some like um, logistics kind of um, industrial uses. And um, we're also quite active in industrial um, development in Regina. And um, there is, there is kind of a, um, like, I think it's on the rise, I guess, if you will, like, like it's, it's, um, it's growing. And I think more and more large organizations are seeing some of the benefits um, in these kind of prairie provinces and Edmonton specifically. Yeah, we actually, uh, we just announced uh, English Bay relocated to Stony Plain from Delta, BC. And they their story really was that they got to a point in their company's growth where they needed to expand. But just the land prices yes. in Delta and, and availability was just so prohibitive. They didn't, they couldn't grow there. And so they've decided to move their whole operations here, which is, yeah, which is very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. In addition to land prices, I would say too, um, you know, speed to market. Like we're, some of our communities are doing just a fabulous job in terms of like the number of days it takes to crank out a building permit and like time is money. So, you you know, if we can shave a two year period down to a 45 day permit, that actually is a deal maker Um, or for other places in Canada, potentially a deal breaker. So um, that regulatory speed is something that I think is another advantage that we have. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so at the beginning, you did mention that you do uh, do research as well as an organization. Are there any interesting findings lately in, in uh, your research? Sure. Yeah, I can, I can jump in just and then maybe Kaylin, you can as well. But um, we we try to focus um, our research around growth and kind of the cost of growth and how um, growth is impacted. Um, and so something that we pay fairly close attention to is how, um, I guess, like government imposed policies or changes um, to standards and um, bylaws and policies and how that increases the cost of a home. So we examine how many people are kind of like removed from um, the home buying market when the cost of a house goes up by like 10,000 or 20,000, et cetera. So in the Edmonton area, kind of in round numbers, the cost of a home goes up by say $50,000 about 40,000 people who were able to afford their first home are no longer able to. So this is something that we, we keep a close eye on um, because it's sort of like these policies and changes, they, they affect affordability, but they're all um, just like small incremental things that you sort of think might be nothing, but then it, it grows and it kind of creeps into um, a material change to the cost of a home. And, um, you know, like 10 or $20,000 might not seem that huge on a, um, you know, the cost of a house, but, but when, when that makes, you know, 10 or 20,000 people not be able to buy a house. That's something that we um, pay pretty close attention to. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's one of the things that we research. Um, I, there's also more, Caitlin, if you want to talk about other things. 
No, just that's perfect. I would just add one of the things we're actually doing right now, which I'm pretty excited about, depending on when your your podcast actually drops here um, in June, we'll be uh, releasing our first state of growth report uh, for the region in the last, well, the last one was done in 2018. So we're, we've actually, you know, taken the time to meet with every single community, talk to their administration, get facts and stats put together where our advantages are, um, and sort of think about it, you know, not just as an information sharing kind of a piece of research, but also as part of our pitch. Because I think, um, you know, this Edmonton region is not as well known as it ought to be. And so if we can kind of do one of one of our small parts, which is to publish this kind of information, it really helps. But um yeah, so those, so what Sue mentioned in terms of what we did around affordability research, and that continues, and then kind of this whole, how are we growing, uh, where are we growing kind of reporting, that's what we're focusing on right now. Very cool. Yeah, Emerson Global will be very interested in your state of the growth report, and, and Susan, that kind of research is critical. <laughs> and I'm sure all the families that are on that kind of, you know, edge of will, will we afford a home or not, I, I like really appreciate those efforts. So yeah, thanks for all of that. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to mention to listeners? Well, maybe just to build on that affordability piece, like the, the I would say like the, the threat is real of eroding our um, affordability because, you know, when, when we found that for, you know, a $50,000 increase in the price of a house, we're losing almost 40,000 potential buyers. That means that those people might need to fall into now some sort of subsidized type of housing. And when you might be, your listeners might be asking, well, where would these costs come from? Well, I'll give you a clear example, um, just for, you know, one thing alone. Uh, right now, if we were to implement full net zero housing, that would add about 70K onto the price of a door. So that's already way above that $50,000 mark that I just told you. And that's just one thing that we're dealing with. We're also seeing um, increased costs for um, a bunch of offsite items, whether it's fire halls, um, uh, recreation centers, libraries, these are all adding up, as well as some municipalities are trying to think about ways that they, they can impose more costs onto the new first-time homebuyer to, to support affordable housing. So that's a little bit ironic. In, it's actually extraordinarily ironic that those who would be the most sensitive to affordability would then potentially be dinged with another cost. So if you're imagining that, you know, say you're not doing the full net zero, but you're having some kind of imposition regarding, um, you know, fire hall levies, some kind of imposition regarding new expectations for building construction that'll raise the cost of your house, some imposition regarding, um, you know, offsetting social programs like um, affordable housing. Before you know it, you're hitting that $50,000 mark. And I guess the, the cautionary note is, and the reason I think that we're all in business here at UDI, is that we could very easily turn a $500,000 home into a $700,000 one without paying very much attention at all. And that would only serve to basically make life a lot harder in this um, community, community a lot less investable. So... It's important for, you know, it's not that any of those individual items sort of are are bad ideas in and of themselves, but the cumulative impact, I don't think has been thought through at all. And that's one of the things that we want to help everybody focus on. Super interesting. Thanks for sharing that, Kaylin. Yeah, I didn't know some of that. So that's really interesting. Thank you. Any final thoughts, Sue? No, as usual, Kaylin summed it up like really perfectly, but, but yeah, that, that, is really the summary of, of what we do and why we do it. And it, it's so, it's so important. And, um, and it's, um, 
it, it's, it leads to really meaningful work and, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're excited to keep, keep doing that work, but it, uh, is important that we don't ever kind of take our eye off it because it can, it can slip. And as we've seen in other cities, um, it can, it can change quickly. Um, and you know, back to, back to the weather, the, the affordability advantage here is, is really like our biggest, uh, our biggest offering. And, and we all know, cause we live here that it's great. And once you're here, you'll, you'll discover other things that you love about it, but that's, that's what is kind of the value proposition in the first place. Yeah, it's really huge. Well, thanks. Thanks to you both for being here today. Really enjoyed the conversation and definitely learned a lot about land use policy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. That's a wrap for today. Thank you for tuning in to the Economic Development Matters podcast brought to you by Edmonton Global. For more information about Edmonton Global or to get in touch, visit our website, edmontonglobal.ca. Follow us on social media, on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. And don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you'll be among the first to know when a new episode drops. Thanks for listening. We hope you learned something new about why economic development matters.